Minimalists. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Ask the Minimalists Anything, number thirty-two. This is, I guess, is the the quarantine edition. I am, <laughs> I am tethered to my family here, uh, whether they like it or not. <laughs> and we have a bunch of questions, bunch of your questions. Actually, Ryan was originally going to record this. We're in two different locations, and I have our microphone. Uh, because we're not going into the studio space right now because of the quarantine. And so I've got some questions. Maybe we'll have Ryan do next month. Uh, anyway, uh, Bex is with me. Ella is with me. If you're just listening to this, uh, if you're not watching the video, uh, if you are watching the video, clearly I have not shaved in, I don't know, months it looks like. And I love it. <laughs> anyway, we've got some questions here. Let's dive into as many of them as we can. Patrons, by the way, Thank you for sticking uh, through this with us. We've got a bunch coming in the month of April for you. A bunch of quarantine casts, we're calling them. We're going to do some meditations. Uh, Ella and I just recorded a video together, the five stages of quarantine. <laughs> and so that'll actually come out tomorrow, video and, and audio as well. For that, um, we are going to do some other things, some quarantine conversations <laughs> where I'll be calling up some friends and having some meaningful conversations, even though we can't meet face-to-face it's important to reach out, especially if you're feeling lonely, you're feeling especially isolated. Uh, now's a great time to reconnect with family, friends, maybe some folks you haven't talked to in months or even years. And so we are going to do that over the course of April as well. And just some other things. I don't want to bombard you with content. That's not what we do at all. We don't create content. And so uh, we're not going to beat you over the head with anything, but we want to do our best to add some value, help people solve some problems through these times. We're not just going to be talking about the quarantine, though. We're going to take this time to try to live as meaningfully as possible, given the circumstances. I want to show you what that looks like for us. So if you find any value in it, you can apply it to your own life as well. Anyway, Ella, should we get into these questions? I want to start with this one in the middle because I kind of think it's, you can help me out with this a little bit, okay? Okay. Nora Stopford, she says, how do you balance keeping your young children aware of the situation and threat of the quarantine virus without creating a sense of panic or raising their anxiety levels? And Nora says she is currently in France where we are confined to our home. Uh, we are also confined to our home, so we can certainly relate to that. Um, Bex, I, I think the, the, the key is to not panic ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> to not, like, go crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think maintaining a sense of, of calm and routine in the house so that things feel as, as normal as possible. You know, maybe it just feels like a long extended weekend instead of, you know, some very strange time. But yeah, just try to enjoy each other's company and stay calm. I've been avoiding the news mm. <laughs> by and large. Yeah. Like, I'll hear a bit, you know, maybe, maybe once a day. Um, mm. but yeah, by and large, I've been avoiding the news and not really talking a whole lot about it. And I've been drinking too much coffee. <laughs> uh, actually, no, I'm still under my limit, but that, that's an important point that you brought up with the, the routine, because it's really easy to fall into the wrong routine right now. Mm -hmm. The, the bad habits and so uh, getting up and not getting dressed and staying in your PJs all day or watching videos all day. <laughs> uh, but it's okay to do some of these things and, and you know what, we, we're probably spending more time uh, doing things that would be considered weekend activities or, or leisure activities 
because we are spending so much time in the house, but getting up, taking a shower every day, um, usually shaving. I save this for Bex and it's totally gone tomorrow. Um, but try, trying to stick to uh, some sort of routine. Now, of course, your routine is going to be disrupted, especially if you're not able to go into work, uh, which you probably shouldn't be going into work at this point unless you have an essential job. By the way, if you're a healthcare worker, anyone on the front lines, uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's, uh, I, I, I can't even imagine being in, in that position, but uh, you are definitely needed right now. Superheroes. Yay! Indeed. <laughs> it's like Aunt Libby. Yeah. <laughs> so Nora, that's it. Uh, you're, you're, sometimes we, 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 we teach our kids with words, right? And, but most of the time, we're teaching them with our own with our own behavior. So, if uh, if we are panicking, then they are going to panic. If we are anxi- anxious, then they they are going to uh, reap the the rewards of that anxiety, so to speak. But of course, the opposite is also true. If we are we're happier, we're content, or we're calm, or we're appreciative then uh, it's easier for our kids to be appreciative as well. <laughs> Connor said, what are some tools you use to get into a flow state when approaching daunting tasks? Well, I just finished a daunting task. I, I finished the second draft of uh, our new book, Love People Use Things. <laughs> so proud of you. And uh, it was just a few days ago. And I'll tell you that that's a daunting task, but... <laughs> Uh, I don't wait for inspiration or flow state or anything else. I just sit down and do the work, and eventually you put yourself into a flow state by, by sitting there and, and doing the work. Uh, Bex, you work with a lot of people, and mm-hmm. it's the same thing, I think. You, you, you're not waiting like, I'm going to work with a client as soon as I get into a flow state or as soon as I feel inspired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's having the, the actions in place to get you into a rhythm um, and eventually a flow state. I am not currently in a flow state. Can't imagine why. Um, yeah, but okay, thanks. I think maybe it's a little bit overrated, to, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy when I get to that. I really enjoy when, when I get to, to that time where if I'm writing and, and I look up and all of a sudden it's way later than I thought it was. And you're, because the time tends to do strange things when you get to one of those states. But to get there, you actually have to drudge through the drudgery. You have to put in the work. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't go chasing that thing. That, that flow state is, is sort of a benefit of being willing to sit down in the chair and, and do the work, whatever that work may be. And that's if you're a, a frontline healthcare worker, it's, it's, going, it's showing up and, and, and doing what needs to be done. If you're a policeman or a fireman, uh, whatever whatever your occupation might be, you're not going to experience flow state most of the day. What's that? Occupation. Occupation. What's occupation? It means what what you do for a living. What you do for work. Michelle asks, "How do you stay minimal in grief, especially when there are other people involved?" I am raising my one year old niece after her after my sister passed. And having trouble balancing between keeping things of her mom's she may want and letting go of things of which I'm ready to say goodbye. That's a difficult one. I'm not going to tell you what to get rid of or what you should hold on to. Uh, I I can tell you that quite often, though, we hold on to things um, because we don't want to deal with them right now. But we're forcing other people to deal with them in the future. And when you think about it that way, 
you have to think, well, will this other person want to want to deal with this in the future? That doesn't mean it's it's wrong to hold on to some keepsakes or moment, mementos or or um, sentimental items. I'm not against that. I, I am against water them, watering them down with hundreds of thousands of items, though, or even thousands of items. We hold on to a lot of things that just... You want to go watch something? All right. She's going to go watch a video. I love you, sweetheart. Go on. So, um, yeah, I'm okay with, with letting go. I, and when in doubt, I tend to err on the side of letting go. Personally, I've never regretted anything I've let go of. See you later, alligator. Personally, I've never, I've never regretted anything that I've, that I've let go of. But um, I'm also willing to let go of the regret if I, if I ever do. Let's There's see. a book that might be helpful for her. I haven't read it, so full disclaimer, but I saw it in a bookstore the other day with my mother, actually. It's like the... Probably wasn't the other day, though, right? It was well, before. I mean, a few weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you have to set the expectation. Don't go to bookstores right now. I'm sorry. Um, yes. So it, it's something like the Scandinavian art of death cleaning or something like that. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a... Very eye-catching title, Mm. Um, but it seemed intriguing to me, Um, and it sounds like maybe it might be worth checking out, even if you don't end up reading it. Um, Yeah, it might give you some insight as to to what to hang on to and what to let go of. Alonzo has a question. I'm going through unexplainable mental distress. As I minimize... I have these thoughts that my actions are part of a wicked plan for me to say goodbye to my loved ones and friends. Do actions involving being a minimalist and thoughts of death always, uh, have they always crossed your mind one time or another? And when these thoughts are negative, can you help me reframe it into a more positive outlook? So, <clears throat> no, I, I don't ever think about death in, in, in this respect, um, but... For me, letting go is a way to make room for... So if, if, we're, if, we're, if we're talking about reframing it here, right? Let, letting go is a way to make room for something. You don't make room for, for death or, or for the negative things. Although you certainly could make room for negative things. That sounds to me like a, a particular kind of, of Spartanism where you c- constantly can't stop letting go. It's the same thing as hoarding, but on the other side of the continuum. And so... When I think about about letting go, um, it doesn't cause me mental distress. In fact, it does the opposite for me because um, I'm letting go of the things that, that burden me. And as a person with with OCD, I certainly have some some mental distress there, and a lot of things tend to drive me crazy. But those actions aren't a a wicked plan to uh, say goodbye to loved ones and friends. If anything, it's it's sort of the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I think of it as making room for the relationship mm. or the relationships when the extraneous things um, are out of the way, then we have more time to focus on the relationships that matter the most. And in the end, um, I think what matters most in our life is whether we loved and whether we were loved. Mm. So... Yeah, yeah. It's not the stuff. 
I'm thinking about my mom's stuff when, when she passed, and, and I'm sure I, I still own a few things of hers, but uh, even the getting rid of that was not trying to get rid of her, even after her right. death, right? right. The, the memories are, are never in, in those things, and I took pictures of a lot of her things because they can trigger memories, and those gave me permission to sort of let go of uh, what would have effectively been a storage locker of... of um, things I would have never accessed and just paid money to have. Mm -hmm. uh, Jasmine has a question. What are the minimalists doing to help small businesses? Tips or suggestions uh, that way we don't put ourselves out trying to help our adorn locals. Um, okay, so help small... Well, first off, we are a small business. So we employ um, about 12 people, uh, either full-time or part-time, uh, including ourselves. And, and so uh, we're a small business. That's one thing that we're doing to help small businesses. But I do go out of my way to, to support, like, for example, independent bookstores. So back in 2014, Ryan and I, we did a book tour in 100 different cities, 119 events. And all but three of those were in independent bookstores. And the reason for that is because I think local businesses tend to be more passionate and the profit motive doesn't, doesn't tend to be the, the primary driver for the business, whereas in large corporations, especially publicly traded corporations, they have a fiduciary responsibility to serve the bottom line. That doesn't mean I think corporations are inherently evil. I don't. And in fact, we use them all the time. And so it's finding that right balance. And, and so going out of my way slightly, I'm not going to... Uh, uh, I'm not going to beat myself up if I end up buying a book from Amazon because the local bookstore down the street couldn't order it for me. It's okay. It means I try. I tried to to go one route, but of course, if that route doesn't work out, I don't have a problem supporting other larger businesses as well. Bex, do you do anything with local business that, that stands out to you? No, I think you gave a good example of supporting them when you can. Um, keeping them in mind, keeping them sort of the top priority for for your dollars that you are spending outside the home at the moment. But then if you can't find that item or service or whatever via a small business, it's fine to do it with a, a corporation. Right now, with uh, the pandemic, mm. um, it's particularly hard to support local businesses because a lot of them are mandated to be closed, at least here in the U.S. Yeah, our, um, our coffee shop is mm -hmm. is functionally closed right now. You can do pickup orders, but um, yeah, it, it, it makes it very difficult. So if you want to, but you could still order coffee from them right. and it's mailed to you. But you're using several large businesses to, to get that coffee to you yeah. as well, right? And so I think I think maybe the important thing to think about there is it's unavoidable. You're going to be involved with large businesses unless you become sort of business ascetic. You have to, to, to recognize that, but be cognizant where you can. And even if that means spending a little bit more and keeping the dollars locally and in your community, those dollars go a lot farther in your community than if you're spending them uh, with a, a large retailer online. Absolutely. The other thing to keep in mind right now especially is that tips are a great way of getting money into the hands of those small businesses even if you're not buying something. Or if you are buying something but it's relatively small, you can still help those people out with an extra tip. 
Yeah. I did that the other day with a pizza place here in town that Ella and I like to get gluten-free pizza at. And we hmm. do it, you know, every other week or so. And we're still going to do that as long as they're open. But we also gave them a really generous tip the other day because we wanted them to know that we care and that we're trying to help, you know, buoy them through this rough period of time. Yeah. Alex says, have you considered translating your content into other languages, asking for a friend that speaks Spanish? Um, our books are in a, over a dozen languages at this point. Uh, you can find all of the languages uh, that they're available in over at theminimalists.com slash books. But yeah, we're always looking to, to expand beyond that, uh, that list of a dozen or so different languages. So yes, we're, we're, we're always looking into it. Anthony says, how can we spread the message... Of, of this aspect of minimalism being that if uh, we all bought a little less junk and saved a little more, that when an epidemic hit, it might not hurt us as much. Please forgive me the word, if the word choice isn't perfect. Uh, Anthony, you're right. In fact, I would argue that the last dozen years, we've, we've made this sort of shift. Minimalism really took off online in 2009, 2010, shortly after the financial crisis of, of 2008. And I think what we're going to see is another crisis that's going on right now with the pandemic. So there's sort of these twin crises, right? You have the, the medical uh, health crisis, and then you have the financial crisis. And, and one causes the other, causes the other as well. And it's something we, we don't think about, but a true economic collapse worldwide causes more deaths than the actual disease in some cases. Mm -hmm. Now, that may not be the case here, but it's certainly possible. And so we have to think about it that way. Now, that's not to say that I think everyone should get back to work tomorrow. No, I think that's, uh, I think that uh, we don't want to create more danger for people, but we also need to be cognizant of the economic implications of something like this. And minimalism for me has allowed me to desire less, to save more money, to have an emergency fund so there's less panic between me and, and my family and, and the people I know. It doesn't mean that I'm not negatively affected by this. I certainly am. But it all seems like a giant inconvenience and it's bothersome, it's annoying, uh, it can be depressing and anger-inducing at times, but ultimately I'm able to step back and accept it. It's a sort of level of stoicism brought about by by minimalism and realizing like I don't I probably don't need that whatever that is the message of minimalism is you probably don't need it in the first place and so when I'm thinking about that with respect to any sort of pandemic or any emergency maybe it's a it's a way for us to be mindful of what we already have and realizing that that constant pursuit of more 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 and more it didn't get us anywhere positive. And, and I think we're starting to learn that now as we're, we're all sort of freaking out and wondering, well, what am I supposed to do with my time? What am I supposed to do with... Um, <clears throat> we're going to see a, a, a pretty big shift economically as well. What am I supposed to do in the job market? And, and uh, minimalism is a way for us to be a lot more nimble throughout a period like this. Cindy has a question. This is an observation about myself and a request for your thoughts. I realize as I'm starting this journey that many of the things I 
keep actually remind me of pain. They literally make me sad when I look at them. On the other hand, the thought of throwing them out or giving them away fills me with guilt. Examples, a picture of my adorable dog who drowned in our pool, and I never tell anyone that. Uh, silk nightgowns given to me by my husband who died three years ago. My mother's baton twirling uniform, uh, probably from when she was 10. She's been dead for 14 years. She was not a hoarder, and I still never knew she kept it until I cleaned out of her apartment. I could go on, but I'm sure you get the idea. Uh, Cindy, the, this is, I mean, I already covered this a little bit, but uh, what I would say is you have the ability to let go of the guilt as you let go of the things. And one, one way that I did that was taking pictures of all of my mom's stuff that I knew I wanted to save those triggers for, for the memory. So you have that same opportunity with your stuff. You're able to let go of it and you're never going to miss it. Well, if you're anything like me, at least, you're never going to miss it. And at the same time, you're going to get rid of that giant weight that is chasing you around right now. And, and uh, all you have to do is set it down. You, everything you've picked up, you, you can set down. Let's do one more here from Nora. How do you handle saving online bills and bake statements onto your laptop slash drive slash cloud? Do you handle them as soon as they uh, have been produced or do you batch them every two to three months, for instance? I currently do both depending on how busy I am, but I wonder which method is more time efficient. I would say don't look for, I don't, don't look to be efficient. So there, there are two answers to this question and I think they're pretty straightforward. One is if you're in debt, uh, you want to make it as inefficient as possible. And what I mean by that is you want it to be painful every time you have to pay one of these bills. They come in the mail and you're like, oh, how did I get myself into this situation? So if you're going through something like the debt snowball, Dave Ramsey's method to pay off your debt, then you want to... Um, you want to inject a little pain into this situation because every time you pay it off, you pay something, you realize, like, I have to go through this. And so I would, I would pay the bills. You only have a certain amount of money each month. And so if I'm tackling those bills, I'm going to talk, tackle them smallest to largest as I'm paying off debt. Now, if you're out of debt, it's a little bit different. I like to do everything about once a month. Uh, toward the end of each month. So actually right now it's, I'm recording this at the end of, uh, of the month and pay those bills. Now you can automate everything you want. Again, I wouldn't automate anything if I was in debt. I want to know exactly where every single dollar is going and I want to I want to be heavily involved in that process. But if you're out of debt, you want to automate your rent payment or um, your electric bill, for example, our electric bill is is automated. It just comes out of our bank every month. I think those things are fine. That way I don't have to deal with them any, uh, anyway other than look at it to make sure the statement is correct. And then I know it's already going to be paid. And uh, that money is going to come right out of our checking account. And then I just record it into the ledger and I'm good to go. All right, y'all. I think that's all we have right now. Good luck out there in the quarantine times. I know, uh, I know a lot of you are going through a lot. And I just want to say thank you for sticking with us throughout all of this. Uh, we will, well, we're going to try our best to, to get through this to the best of our ability. And uh, I'm really starting to to identify with, um, there are a lot of stay-at-home parents. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I want to say I'm grateful to them because... You're impressed by them. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're in awe of them. I always have been, but especially so now, right? Mm-hmm. Like... Um, 
you, you don't really get as impressed by like a basketball player until you've played basketball and you realize like, oh, like the things he makes look effortless require great effort. Uh-huh. And obviously parenting is, is certainly the same. So <laughs> bravo to you, to you parents, especially this parent right here. <laughs> I try to kiss her forehead. And... I wanted the lips. All right, y'all. Love people use things. We'll see you soon. Take care. The Minimalists. <laughs>